Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, we tell the story of Letitia Frazier, an 18-year-old young woman who went missing on August 2nd, 2010, in Washington, D.C. The day she went missing, she had been at work, but when she left that day, she got on the bus like she normally did. But when she got off the bus, it was the last time anyone saw Letitia again. Her boyfriend told investigators that she was supposed to be meeting a group of friends. But when they spoke to the friends, they claimed Letitia never showed up. For months, her case was cold. But when a witness came forward with information, detectives learned that their suspects were closer than they knew. This is Letitia's story. The story of what happened to Letitia Frazier is a story that has been highly requested by listeners. And I was only kind of familiar with Letitia's story before I began looking into it for this episode. Her story is one of those stories where there has been some justice, but 12 years after Letitia vanished, she has not been found and no remains have been recovered. The pain that comes from not finding Letitia is lasting for her grieving family. When she went missing, her family knew that something was wrong because she had always been a responsible and reliable person. She was born on October 3rd, 1991, and grew up in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. As a kid, her parents said that Letitia, whose nickname was Pooh, was a tomboy who was always outside playing sports with the neighborhood boys. She was also close to her family, who said she always valued her time with them. While she was in high school, Letitia got pregnant and gave birth to a little girl she named Diamond. Her family said that even though she was a young mother, Letitia was a good mom who spent all of her time with her daughter. Being a teen mom didn't stop Letitia from graduating from high school either, which wasn't surprising to her family because she was always hardworking. According to her family, after she graduated, Letitia wanted to further her education. She wanted to go to college, but decided that she wanted to pursue a career in culinary arts. And so 
she enrolled in culinary school. When she turned 18, she decided that she wanted to move out of the home where she was living with her mom and her sister, and she began working at McDonald's in the 7th Ward full-time to support Diamond and herself while she attended school. Her family said that things were going well for Letitia, who had even started dating someone. And even though she had moved out of her mom's house, she was still talked to her every day. She was also really close to her dad, who drove an ice cream truck, and Letitia would often join him for ride-alongs so they could spend time together. At 18, Letitia had taken on responsibilities that people twice her age struggle with, and she was handling it all really well. August 2nd, 2010, had been a normal day for Letitia, who was scheduled to work at McDonald's. She dropped her daughter off with her mom and then got on the bus and headed to work. Her shift was uneventful, according to her coworkers. At work, Letitia also had a reputation as a hard worker, and she never had any problems with any coworkers or customers. Now, at the end of her shift, her manager said that Letitia clocked out, and then they watched as she got on the bus like she normally did to go home. And normally, after work, Letitia would go and pick up her daughter and then go home. But that evening, Letitia didn't show up like she normally did. Immediately, her mom was worried because this wasn't her daughter's typical behavior. So she started calling Letitia's phone, but it was going straight to voicemail. Now, when she couldn't be reached by phone, her mom and her sister began sending her messages on Facebook. They were hoping that maybe something had happened to her phone, and so that is why I was going straight to voicemail. But the messages they were sending were not getting a response. By the following day, August 3rd, her family's worry was increasing. Letitia had never disappeared like this, and she would never leave her daughter without an explanation. Even though she was 18, she wasn't your typical irresponsible teenager. She was a mom who was dedicated to her child. And so they continued to try to reach Letitia throughout the day, but by August 4th, they knew it was time to go to the police. When Letitia's family spoke to police, they told them about her missing and let them know right off the bat that this was not a case of a runaway. And even though she was an adult, there was no way in the world that she would not be in contact with her family for two days, especially not her daughter. Based on what her family said about her, detectives decided that they would look into what happened to Letitia. Her family didn't know much, but... They did know that the last place they knew her to be was at work, and so detectives began there. Detective Jackie Milton was the investigator assigned to the case, and so after receiving the report, she went to McDonald's and spoke to Letitia's manager and coworkers to see if they had any information that could shed light on where she might be. Her coworkers told the detective that Letitia's shift was normal and that nothing out of the ordinary had happened. They confirmed that she was fine when she left work, and her manager told the detective that they had seen Letitia get on the bus, and so they knew that she had at least made it onto the bus like she normally did. And so 
Now, the detective needed to speak to the bus driver and any witnesses that may have seen Letitia on the bus that day. The detective was trying to retrace all of Letitia's steps that day in hopes that she would be led to her location. Knowing that she had got on the bus gave them one more piece of the puzzle. The detective was able to narrow down the bus that Letitia rode that day because she rode the same bus at the same time pretty much every day. When the detective spoke to the driver and showed him Letitia's picture, he confirmed that he usually sees her every day around the same time. But he told the detective that Letitia was usually with a young man and that he had seen her that day and she was with him on the bus. Now, the detective got a description of the man from the driver, and then she took that info back to Letitia's family to see if they knew who this person was. And they did. It was Letitia's boyfriend who they said would often ride the bus with her. Now, it seemed like at that point, police were making progress. Every lead was giving them more information, and so now they knew that they needed to speak to Letitia's boyfriend— He was the last person who they now knew had spoken to her, and so they needed to get his side of the story and find out what happened after she got off the bus. Now, when detectives met with Letitia's boyfriend, Rynell Mills, he told them that he had seen Letitia on the bus that day after she got off work. He said that she told him that she had plans to meet with some of her friends, and so she had gotten off the bus at a different stop. He stayed on the bus and got off at his normal stop and went home. He said he went home expecting to get a call from Letitia later that night when she got back home, but he said she never called. The story her boyfriend told detectives seemed believable enough, but we all know that a boyfriend in a situation like this is going to be a person of interest— And so before detectives could move forward, they had to confirm that what he was saying to them was the truth. And so they spoke to witnesses that were on the bus that day, and they confirmed that Rynell was telling the truth and that he remained on the bus after Letitia got off. They were also able to confirm his alibi about going straight home, and so he was ruled out as a suspect. Now, although he wasn't their suspect, he did give them another piece of information to help them in tracing Letitia's movements. He told detectives that Letitia mentioned that she was going to meet some friends. At the time, she had a group of friends that she was known to hang out with, and so it wouldn't have been unusual for her to go and hang out with them after work. It was just unusual that she wouldn't have called her mom or her boyfriend. So the next people on the detective's list were Letitia's friends, who she was supposed to meet that day. But when they spoke to them, they said that Letitia never made it to their home, and they had no idea where she could be. It was like a dead end. I mean, up until that point, all of the people that they had spoken to had added another piece of information to the puzzle— and had led them a little closer to Letitia's movements that day. But when they spoke to the friends who she was supposed to go and see, 
they say that she never made it. And so now the question the detectives had to answer was, what happened to Letitia after she got off the bus? While detectives were trying to work leads and find new ones, Letitia's family had begun their own searches. They were handing out flyers, speaking to people in the neighborhood, and holding vigils. They were one of those families that from the day that Letitia went missing, they had been putting all of their energy into trying to find her. Her daughter Diamond was three when her mom went missing, and so she was fully aware that her mom hadn't come back home. It was a tough time, to say the least, but her family was determined to find her. The local news in D.C. picked up the story of the missing teen and interviewed her family as they passed out flyers and searched the D.C. area. Her family also turned to Facebook to ask for any information about where Letitia was. But in the days after she went missing, her family and detectives were finding nothing. Her family had concentrated their search efforts to the area where Letitia had gotten off the bus to go to her friend's apartment. During one of those searches, cameras from ABC7 in D.C. followed the family. And her family, during that search, went to the apartment where she was supposed to be meeting her friends. The cameras captured Letitia's mom going into the apartment with a man named Brian Gaither, who lived in the apartment. Now, even though Letitia was apparently a frequent visitor at the apartment, Brian claimed that he didn't know Letitia that well, but reiterated that she had not made it to the apartment that day. When Letitia's mom came out of the apartment, she told the cameraman that her daughter wasn't in there. She said she looked all over, but there was no sign of her daughter. After police spoke to Letitia's friends, the leads began to dry up really quickly. No one had admitted to seeing Letitia after she got off the bus on August 2nd, and detectives had lost their trail of her movements. But still, her family continued to search. They spent their days walking up and down the streets of D.C., passing out flyers, stopping anyone who was willing to listen. They knew that as the days and weeks went by, that it was becoming more and more important to find Letitia. And they wanted to find her alive. They knew that she wouldn't be gone this long if she could help it, but they were still holding out hope that she would be found safe. The community also helped in the searches. According to the Washington Post, a local church helped distribute flyers and volunteers also joined in the searches with the family. In October, on Letitia's 19th birthday, her family celebrated by putting flyers up around a family member's home. But five months after Letitia vanished, her family began getting strange, threatening messages on her Facebook page. The messages were sent from an unknown person who had created a profile using Letitia's middle name, Monique, and last name, Frazier. But whoever they were, they seemed to have information about what happened to Letitia. But more than that, they seemed to want to scare Letitia's family into stopping their search for her. In one of the posts, dated January 13th, 2011, the person wrote, 
quote, your sister is dead and gone. I am watching you. One down, one more to go. Other messages told her family to stop putting up flyers because they were taking them down. And in fact, someone had been taking down Letitia's missing persons flyers. The messages were scary and they kept coming. They were threatening. They called Letitia and her family vile names and claimed that she was dead and her body was located at a local park called Rock Creek. It was clear now, if it wasn't before, that Letitia had met with foul play and someone was actively trying to interfere with her being found. And even worse, they were claiming that Letitia was in fact dead. But who would have wanted Letitia dead? And why would they be threatening her family? Neither her family or detectives at the time knew why. But a few weeks after the messages began, detectives would get a huge break in their case. This holiday season, if you're looking for a unique gift that inspires curiosity, travel, and culture, give the gift of Babbel. Babbel is the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions. Thanks to Babbel's addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, you'll finally be able to discover the wonder that comes with learning a new language. With Babbel, you only need 10 minutes to complete a lesson, so you can start having real-life conversations in a new language in as little as three weeks. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by 150 language experts and voiced by real native speakers, not computers. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes. Plus, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. Start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash girlgone. That's babbel.com slash girlgone for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. On August 2nd, 2010, 18-year-old Letitia Frazier left work and got on a bus. She told her boyfriend that she was going to meet some friends, but no one ever saw Letitia again. When police spoke to her friends, they said that she never made it to their apartment. 
for months, detectives were finding nothing. But five months after Letitia vanished, her family began receiving threats on Facebook saying that Letitia was dead. And now they needed to figure out who sent the messages and what they really knew about what happened to Letitia. In January 2011, someone created a Facebook page using Letitia's middle and last name and had begun leaving threatening messages on her Facebook page. The messages were scary because they were threatening to harm people in Letitia's family. This was more than a troll. This was someone who was actively threatening the family of a missing person. Now, after receiving these posts, Letitia's family went to the detectives and told them what was happening and about the messages that they were getting. And like her family, the detectives found the messages alarming. In terms of leads, things had been radio silent. Detectives had not received any information, so for someone to have gone to this extent made them believe that whoever this person was must have information that they needed. In a recent episode of ID Channel's American Detective, Detective Jackie Middleton said that after they received the information about the threats, they traced the IP account of the person who created the fake account. In many ways, the internet does allow you to be anonymous, but there are still ways for the police to find you. And so detectives were able to trace the IP address and locate the address where the messages had been sent. But when they went to the location, there was nothing there. It was just an empty lot. Whoever had sent the messages was using a fake IP address. And it was clear that they had something to hide. But after the detectives followed the lead about the messages and were unsuccessful, once again, this case went cold. Letitia's family was coming to grips with the fact that at this point, they may not find her alive, but they refused to give up their searches for her. Letitia didn't just vanish, and they knew that someone in the area where she got off the bus had to have seen something. D.C. isn't some small town. It's a large, bustling city. There are people everywhere, and so there had to have been someone out there that could give them the answers that they were looking for. Letitia's mom continued to pound the pavement, handing out flyers. She was relentless, and so was the rest of her family. On January 20th, 2011, Local news ABC7, who had been following the story from the beginning, once again aired a story about Letitia's disappearance and the search for her. It was almost six months at that point that Letitia had been missing, and although there had been a few tips here and there, nothing substantial had come from the news reports or the flyers that her family had been passing out. But this time, after ABC7 aired their piece about Letitia's disappearance, detectives received a tip that would lead them right to the answers that they had been searching for. 
Within hours of ABC7 featuring Letitia's story, a witness came forward and told police that they knew what happened to Letitia. The witness told police that Brian Gaither, the man captured on camera a few months earlier letting Letitia's mom into the apartment that she was supposed to be going to that day, had come out of the apartment at 1787 Trenton Place and told them that he had just killed someone. The witness said that they asked Brian who he had killed and why, and Brian told the witness that he had killed Tish, Letitia's nickname, and that he had done it because she had stolen money from his friend. They then went on to describe the murder as told to them by Brian Gaither. He told the witness that there were six people present at the murder, three men, three women, and that the three women jumped Letitia, beating her severely. Brian then tells the witness that he, quote-unquote, finished Letitia off, but he didn't go into details about what that meant. The witness then admits that they entered the apartment shortly after Brian told them the story and that there was a group of people in the living room talking about the murder. The witness then said that one of the people involved in the murder said that if anyone present said anything, that they would be next. The story that this witness was telling was shocking, and the people involved were even more shocking. Detectives knew exactly who Brian Gaither was. They had interviewed him along with several other of Letitia's friends who claimed they had no idea where she was or what had happened to her. Now, there was a witness telling them that he was involved, but not just him. Six people in total were alleged to be involved in Letitia's murder. It was disturbing. So the following day, detectives took the witness to the apartment so they could confirm for them which apartment it was. Now, aside from Brian Gaither, the witness was able to identify other suspects present at the apartment. And one of those suspects was Cynthia Proctor. Now, once she was identified by police, Cynthia agreed to come in and speak to police without an attorney. She told police that before the murder, she was approached by some of the suspects who asked her to beat up a girl for them who had stolen their money. She said on August 2nd, 2010, she went over to the apartment on Trenton Place and participated in the attack on Letitia. The three females that were there that night, including Cynthia, began hitting and kicking Letitia, who tried to fight back but was overpowered. Cynthia then said that at some point, the females that were present stopped hitting Letitia and that the men then began hitting her. She said that then they taped a shirt over Letitia's mouth so that she couldn't scream. They then placed her in a closet and attempted to clean up the blood. She said later on, one of the other people present informed them that Letitia was dead. And she told detectives that she didn't know what ultimately happened to Letitia's body. Now, later that same day, Brian Gaither was arrested. And once he was taken into custody, he too agreed to speak to police without an attorney. 
To the detective's surprise, Brian began to confess his involvement in Letitia's murder. He admitted that he had struck her twice and then put her in a chokehold, but he said that she was still alive when he released her. But the beating continued until she was dead. He said that they kept her body in the apartment for two days before they disposed of it in the apartment dumpster. He then told detectives that when he went back to look in the dumpster the day after they disposed of her body, that the contents of the dumpster were gone. The story about what happened to Letitia was starting to come together. One by one, the people involved were beginning to talk. The guilt of what they had done had finally caught up with them. After Brian was arrested, Lawrence Hassan, another suspect identified by witnesses, was also arrested. And like the others, he voluntarily spoke to police without an attorney. He cooperated the story that Cynthia had told the detectives and said that on that day, August 2nd, he was at the apartment on Trenton Place when Johnny Sweet, another suspect, discovered that $900 of his was missing. Now, for whatever reason, he and Johnny both believed that Letitia was the person who stole the money. He said that they called Letitia, who allegedly admitted to taking the money. And so, at that point, they devised a plan to lure Letitia to the apartment so that they could beat her up and teach her a lesson. He said that once Letitia was at the apartment, that they took her back to the bedroom where they told her everyone was hanging out. But once she was back there, one of the suspects blocked the door. And that's when the women began attacking Letitia. After they finished, they left the room. And that's when the men in the apartment began attacking her. He said Johnny was hitting her and yelling and screaming, where's my money, repeatedly. Now, after they beat her up, he said that they then bound her hands and her mouth with tape, put a pillowcase over her head, and placed her in the closet. Lawrence then says that they all went into the living room, but they could hear Letitia moaning in the closet. And that's when Brian went back to the room and put her in a chokehold. He said that's when she, quote-unquote, finally shut up. They then put her back in the closet, and went to watch a movie. The stories that all of the suspects were telling were horrifying. The details differed in certain places, but fundamentally, they were all telling the same story. They had all helped in the murder of Letitia Frazier, and it was over some money that she was accused of stealing. A few days after the first set of arrests, Johnny Sweet was taken into custody, and he too spoke to police and confessed his role in the murder. And Johnny was really the leader of the whole thing. Everyone involved was following his orders, doing this because Letitia had allegedly stolen his money. After speaking to all of the individuals involved and receiving their confessions, detectives now knew what happened to Letitia. 
On August 2nd, Letitia received an invite to hang out with a group of people that she thought were her friends. Once she was there, she was offered a drink, but she didn't want a drink. Johnny then brought her into the bedroom where she was brutally attacked. Bleeding and badly bruised, the group then bound her with tape and covered her head before placing her in the closet. They then watched a movie, got some food, and then the girls gave the guys massages while they discussed what to do with Letitia. After a few hours, they went to check on her and discovered that she was dead. And then for two days, they left her body in the closet while one of the suspect's brothers slept in the room. After two days, they took her body to the bathroom where they attempted to dismember her, but none of them could go through with it. And so they placed her body in a container and they put her in the dumpster. During the attack, one of the witnesses said that Johnny stated that they were teaching Letitia a lesson. It was a shocking story. After all this time, the people who had killed Letitia had been right under the detectives' noses. Her friends were among the first people that police spoke to, and for six long months, they had all been harboring a terrible secret. After the confessions, police went to the apartment where they found a bloodstain on the carpet in the room where Letitia was beaten, as well as on the wood in the room. That, combined with the confessions from everyone involved, gave detectives enough to charge all six suspects with Letitia's murder. Brian Gaither, 23 at the time. Annika Nelson, 16 at the time. Lene Bell, 17 at the time. Cynthia Proctor, 18 at the time. Lawrence Hassan, 22 at the time. And Johnny Sweet, who was 17 at the time, were all charged with the murder of Letitia Fraser. But the one piece that the detectives were still missing was where was Letitia's body? The suspects claimed that they had put her body in a dumpster, and so, if true, meant that it was a landfill and it would be nearly impossible to find. Now, usually, when there is no body, trying a murder case is difficult. But in this case, everyone except Johnny Sweet pled guilty and took plea deals. Now, even though he had confessed to being a part of Letitia's murder, Johnny decided to take his chances in court. But in April 2013, Johnny was convicted of murder, and he was sentenced to 52 years in prison. That same month, Brian Gaither received a 32-year sentence, and Lawrence Hassan was given 18 years. The three girls in the case also received jail time. Cynthia Proctor received 21 years, and Lene Bell received three years. The other girl, Annika Nelson, was also given time, although I couldn't find her exact sentence. Letitia's murder was unbelievable, but 
was even more unbelievable was how young the killers were in this crime. Almost all of them were teenagers, and they brutally murdered someone, tried to cut them up, disposed of their body, and then kept it all a secret for months. After months of searching for her, Letitia's family now had the answers that they had been looking for. They now knew what had happened to their daughter and their sister. And there was comfort knowing that the people responsible were all in jail. But they wanted to be able to bury Letitia. They still wanted investigators to find her body. They knew that it was likely that her body was in a landfill, but they wanted police to search. The police, however, said that it would be too dangerous for them to search the landfill and that they most likely would not be able to retrieve her body, which at that point would have been buried under six months of garbage. And so, despite her killers being caught, her family has still been unable to get closure. Twelve years after Letitia Frazier vanished, the possibility that she may never be found is real. With six people convicted of her murder, her family's hopes of her being found alive have long faded. And now, so has the idea that they will be able to bring her home and lay her to rest. At just 18 years old, Letitia a young mother, had a lot to live for, but she was lured to an apartment by people that she called friends and murdered over $900. Investigators never found any evidence that Letitia had stolen any money. She lived a short life and suffered a terrible death, but she was more than just that. She was a mother, and a sister, and a daughter. And those that love Letitia miss her terribly. So many lives were completely ruined over something so stupid. May Letitia Frazier rest in peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. It also helps our show grow. As always, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.